Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the latest episode of Serial, but about the Mauler Twins. I'm Alex. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And just kidding. This is actually Podvincible, a podcast about Invincible Kurt on Mania. Amazon <laughs> Prime Video. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the latest episode. You look kind of dead. So requisite spoiler warning here. If you haven't watched it on Amazon yet, go watch it. It is a hardcore, gross episode of this Man. show. So much going this on here. Show. Plus the uh, Rick and Morty cameos. It's fun. Wait, hold on. I, w- I want to talk about that in a second because clearly I missed it. Uh, and I'm curious to get what, you're, what, what you saw that I did not see, Pete. But a brief little recap here. As mentioned, spoiler warning, go watch it. The broad overview of this episode is we're dealing with the ramifications of the last episode where most of the Guardians of the Globe and Invincible got completely wrecked. Absolutely yes. wrecked by Machine Head's team. Titan took over. We don't really deal with that much. But Mark is recovering from that and, as a result, goes on a college tour with Amber and William. It goes very poorly thanks to some cyborgs, but he gets a little bit of his mojo back. Right. Okay. Nice. Right. Slipped right. into sort of a, a very just, dusty accent. There. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and meanwhile, back at the home front, Debbie has become so suspicious of Nolan that she straight up tells him that it does not go very well. Uh, and things are in a very different place by the end of the episode. So, Pete, before we get into it, and there's a lot I want to talk about here, what are you talking about with Rick and Morty? The so, name Rick? Uh, so the drunk dude who later gets turned into a robot, uh, one of the voiceover dudes for Rick and Morty, and then the two dudes in the grave also voice Rick and Morty. Oh, was it like Justin Roiland or something? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Research only goes I, so far on this show. That's I love right. that you did some research, but not a ton. <laughs> and that's the best way to do it. I've watched enough, enough Rick and Morty by. to recognize that voice anywhere. So I was like, oh, shit. 
So here's the big thing that I want to say about this episode. You're like, you're really, like this test is on World War II, so I'll learn about Germany, I guess? That's it. <laughs> so I mentioned this the last episode. I think it took me a couple episodes to get into this because I was so used to the rhythms of Invincible, the comic book. But I really was starting to enjoy it, I think, by about episode four. Episode five was so brutal and so interesting and so well done. I think I was fully on board. What really struck me was this one because these cyborgs that are being created again are something directly from the comic book but in the comic book it's gross but it's so breezy and it goes by so quickly I don't think I was horrified by it in the same way and what I think the show is doing really well is giving this extra time and giving this extra weight to things it really does bring home it, it makes things a little more weighty in a certain way, yeah. I guess it's what a getting more at. of a horror I, kind of feel as well. That's exactly what I was going to say, Pete. Like it, this episode, especially, was body horror. It was like just yeah. absolute bloodbath. It was like emotional stakes just ramped up for like everybody in different ways. It, it is funny that a, a comic that was about like lighthearted stuff for the beginning, and then it got into sort of bigger things, but it was always it always had the sort of light touch with the action of a comic book, where it's like, oh, it's a fun fight. But with this, the stakes are much higher and it's so much more brutal to see it play out that it changes the sort of heft, like you're saying, of everything, I think. Yeah. And also what's what's funny about the comic book and it gets a little nod in this is like, you know, we used to joke that like uh, in the comic book, uh, if there was like a lull, like somebody would just punch a hole in somebody. And then like we're like, oh, yeah, just punching through people. And then in this comic, like one of the doctors who's doing like, you know, trying to fix somebody, I was like, wow, this guy has like a hole right through him. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's hilarious. That's a call out to that thing we made a joke about, probably. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think the other thing that this episode does well in particular that we've been talking about a lot on the podcast, the development of Mark as a character. And here, after the events of the last episode where he got completely wrecked, seemingly barely survived, though Nolan seems pretty confident because of his Viltrumite heritage that yeah. he'd be absolutely fine. I think he is really with the fact, dealing with the fact that Oh, he's not actually invincible. He can be hurt. Like, he can recover from it, but he still could be hurt. What does he don't want to do with his life? That ties into Adam and Eve's storyline as well. And I think you could hear it in Stephen Young's voice where it's starting to mature up a little bit. It's a little less yeah. shrill. It's a little less whiny. It's a little less teenagery. That's right. I've come straight for teenagers. I don't even care. They can wow. Come for me. Okay. That's, that's right. That's a weird term for you because you. I don't know, man. I, Were you about I, to say love teens and then stopped yourself because it sounded weird? No, because I was going to say you, you know, your mental projection of yourself is a teenage girl. So it's just weird <laughs> that you would go against that. By the way, I'm yeah, going to see you guys at the your... BTS concert next week, right? Yes. Exactly. Army. Sure. Yeah. Better than Ezra? Uh <laughs> Better than Cesra? Um No, I, th- I mean, I think there's definitely some truth to that. You're, you're sort of talking about uh, puberty, I want to say, uh, which is like... Not um, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, your beard uh, gives you away as a, a total puberty guy. You're mm-hmm. a puberty guy. This just happened yesterday. I woke up and I was like, oh, cool. I woke up like this. Cool. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think that's sort of the metaphor for this uh, in general. Like we get the... 
innocent kid gets superpowers. We get the innocent version of being a superhero. And then we get all the horrible shit that happens when you're an adult, a normal adult, just with all the superhero shit laid on top of it. And like your dad killing a super team is the same as your dad being like, get a job. I'm not giving you an allowance anymore. Yeah, exactly. Or like, oh, like, uh, you know, trying to manage a relationship is hard, but then also trying to manage a relationship while you secretly fight crime is even harder. You know, I really wanted Mark to say something to Amber because, uh, it's it's his only way out of this to try to save this relationship. And I was really surprised that he didn't like, there were a couple times where I really thought he was going to come clean. And even his best, uh, you know, his friend there was like, dude, what are you doing? You get, you should tell her, uh, if you guys are in that situation, would you tell Amber, you not tell Amber? I mean, how are you feeling about that? I I like to think of our podcasting as sort of my superheroics and, um, I tell my wife about it, and it doesn't make it any more like wow. Go <laughs> it doesn't fight make crime. it okay. So if he if <laughs> no, he told Amber, I mean, because she was mad, he ran away. And if he was like, I was didn't run away. I just flied to change and then fought. Like, do you think she would still be mad? I don't think so. I think she would be not mad in the short term, but it creates a whole another level of problems, which I think we're seeing right. in, with Nolan and Debbie in a great way. I mean, obviously, there's, there's it's compacted by this other layer that Nolan is like a monster, a supervillain. But <laughs> sure, sure. I think like we see that their relationship has been affected in a big way by this. Um, there's a great shot from Mark's perspective when he's like uh, dying slash uh, coming back to life on the operating room table, and you see them arguing because Debbie's like, "Our son is is maybe dying because of your shit, because of your superhero stuff." And what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Well, to that point, and this is a little far afield from what we're talking about, but another thing that I was really struck about with this episode that I think we've touched on before on the podcast is the acting on here. And I don't mean the voice acting. I mean the animation acting, that there are subtle, small little things that they allow here that I don't think we really see in animation a whole lot from what the reason I bring this up now from the way that Debbie and Nolan react to each other and they give the time for reaction shots from the characters that are often very small, subtle little moves to Mark going in and seeing Amber late in the episode asleep and his face just falling and him silently closing the door to little things. And this is a ridiculous thing to blow my mind. But again, I don't think I've ever really seen stuff like this in animation of this style where before Rick, Rick is William's boyfriend, right? Rick goes out to buy beer. He feels around at the couch cushions for any change. Yeah. And there's just like, nobody refers to it or anything like that. It's such a, like, that's the sort of thing an actor would do in a scene at that point. And to allow that to happen in animation floored me in a very weird way. Well, I, I, I agree. Was- I have another example okay. uh, uh, of that same thing. Like, because I think this show is is it's sort of storyboarded or it's written in a way for live action, and then they just happen to animate it, and that's why you get stuff like that. The scene where they show Rick's ass mm-hmm. early on when yeah. they first arrive on campus, and it's it's not it's like a blocky. Nor, like weirdly animated ass like it's not anything special like a different show would like make a whole thing of it but instead they're like no in reality you just see an ass and it's an ass 
And in this, they're like, no, it's an ass in this animated world. It's not like a special ass. It's a regular ass. And I just thought that was such a funny to linger on that and be like, look at this, like showing off this guy's ass. And it's just like, truly, it was like a rectangle. (laughs) So it was like, it was just a very funny, real film thing to do in an animated show. That got me. Well, yeah, what I like about the real kind of feel of it is like, you know, you know, I, uh, you know, was uh, scrounging pennies, you know, re- returning, recycling, doing stuff, in, you know, in college, like uh, trying to get money together. So to see like a college kid be broke and look in the change, uh, you know, part of the couch, like I thought that was great. I thought that said so much without saying it. You know what I mean? I thought that was really great. And now, it is a very college thing to be like, who's coming over to your place with a pocket full of change? Just drive. You got a guy dropping like ten, fifteen bucks well, and quarters in your couch. You know, they, if you're doing laundry, you know, you got quarters on you. You know, those things roll out. Did, did you often invite your friends who are doing laundry over to uh, like shake them up a little bit? See yeah, yeah, and out? then and then maybe put like magnets underneath the couch. You know, just you know. I did this fun bit where I never cleared out the change and it was in the futon and I'd invite people over and I'd be like, let me just flip out this futon and it would be like slot machine. Just start pouring change everywhere. Wow. Very cool. Wow. Baller. My brother um, would sleep on um, the couch and then wake up after a night on the town, go take a shower and you'd hear the plink, plink, plink of coins falling off his body in the shower because he slept on all the change. And that's some college shit right there. Everyone who came over to our place was like, why do you have like, you have like a dollar fifty in change in your shower? And I was like, yeah, we're scumbags. Yeah, yeah, that is a scumbag move. The fact that you don't move it from the shower is straight scumbag. Let's go back and talk about the Amber-Mark relationship in this episode, because it does go through so many different fluctuations. I think, first of all, they do a really good job of selling you on the relationship more in this one. Um, Amber is great. Like, she's clearly a great character. She's really well done. She's very engaging. But like we've been sort of talking about, maybe she and Mark aren't exactly right together. And what we were talking about earlier, about would you tell Amber, I think... We're getting to what Mark was talking about with, I think it was Nolan. No, it was Adam Eve, the last episode about you can't go back from that revelation. It feels like yeah. that stuck with him, and he knows this relationship is not long-term, and he doesn't want to take that extra step to tell her. Do you guys feel the same way? I don't know. I feel like he like looked at that poster of like college and then it said future and it had two people holding hands and he was just like, Oh, I want to try to do that. You know what I mean? Like if I show Amber, I want to have a future, like let's do these things together. Maybe we can kind of have a chance. So he's willing to be like, I want to try to put you uh, uh, as a high priority in my life. And, you know, and that kind of gets her excited and they kind of shoot this, uh, like commercial for going to college together where it's like, let's get hot dogs. We're on campus. Let's walk into a room that like I've been to, Uh, I love it when people walk into a room that sells me out of college every time. I'm like, I'm going there. A bunch of different rooms. It's not like my house. You could go to any room. I also like how it makes it seem like class is this open door policy where you can walk into anybody's class. Like, what was that about? Yeah, that was yeah. Get in a fight with a random dude. It's yeah, just crazy stand for up pre-frosh to go in there and be like, "Yeah, hey, shut up, <laughs> sophomore." PCU reference, love it. Wait, uh, yeah, uh, in a way. 
pre Fox. In a, in a very light way. Um, yeah. I, I think their relationship, I think he does love her, as Adam Eve said to Amber last episode. Mm-hmm. But I think Mark is still in a place where he is Mark and invincible is this thing he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's still very much like, I'm Mark. I'm not going to tell everyone about this because it's a secret. It's like a side thing. And I think we're going to see him transition over this first season. I think this episode was big in this to becoming Invincible, who like Mark is his identity, but Invincible is what he does. We see Adam Eve become Adam Eve in this episode. Yeah, we get to and see she, her living her best life. I mean, I love her badass treehouse, you know, yeah. and like just getting home exhausted from making a difference and seeing her happy was really nice. That was uh, but Mark, cool. Mark hasn't made, Mark hasn't been able to make any decisions about his life yet. He's just sort of like living. Dude, he's young, by the man. Minute. You know, he just yeah. got powers. Give him a chance, dude. We, we've talked about this no, a lot on the no podcast, chance. and with go to the college, com- kid. <laughs> we've talked about this a lot on the podcast and with the comic book as well. That, and this is no insult, man. Mark is not the smartest superhero. He's not a Spider-Man even who like feels this passionate responsibility. He has these powers. Those are part of what he is. He wants to do the right thing, but mostly he's a pretty easy guy going through his life to the point that Amber mentions, yeah, your grades aren't that good. You know? And I, I think that's something that we're not used to watching in a superhero show, reading in a comic book. And that is one of the things that made Invincible so special is that he's not really the best at anything. He's just pretty good at a couple of different things, which is actually way more relatable. And I would argue he's pretty bad at being a superhero. He like doesn't figure (laughs) things out very quickly. He like gets beat up a ton in this episode. He just got his ass kicked last episode. Then he's getting, but these cyborg scrubs are killing him in this episode. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, that was there's like three. That's still like three. I mean, as you're falling in the water, you're getting punched in the face. I mean, that's got to be tough, man. Nah, come on. I could, I could do that. I fought crime. I fought some crime. <laughs> Uh, I do want to get back to uh, just for a second to talk about the Adam Eve thing, because I don't know if you guys have the same reaction, but seeing her go around and help the world, I feel like I've gotten used to in comics, particularly the past couple of years, whenever any superhero does something like that, there's always bad ramifications. Like they come in and say, Hey, good news. We made all your crops grow. And they're like, man, you ruined the soil somewhere else, or you ruined the market. You know, there's always these very realistic ramifications. So I kept expecting that during these scenes, but I'm glad, I'm glad they didn't go for it. I'm glad they did it. You think they're not? I think that she's going to find out, uh, you know, like some of the ramifications. I think, uh, but I like leaving her in this happy place for mm. now. You know what I mean? Because it's this thing of like, how do you know what the problem is if you're so har- far overhead? You know what I mean? Like you're flying by, maybe nobody someone needs help. But when you fly down, it could be a situ- different situation. So I think like in the beginning, things seem simple and she's going to make a difference. And then I think, well, hopefully we'll see that like later she'll find out things aren't that kind of easy. Well, and I think in comics, I feel like, characters are like, I'm going to help everyone in the world. And the reason that is not allowed is because it messes with this continuity. The basic Mm -hmm. story of a superhero is they can't be just doing, you know, regular (laughs) stuff all around the world. They have to be doing supervillain stuff in New York City or wherever they live, Metropolis. And so I think in this series, they have the opportunity to really 
follow that thread and um, see what it means for Adam Eve. And I think the revelations she has in the comic and she's starting to have here are, are like, my life and my power set are much larger than what I'm doing. Flying around and going pew pew at like a couple random villains isn't what I'm here for. I have larger aspirations and I have the means to be bit bigger than this. And I think that's what she's starting on that path. But I think we see here in this episode, it's a lonely path. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you and she think might of- need a friend to go along with her or maybe something more. Oh, take it easy on that. Yeah, we're not there yet. But how, how about this responsibility that professors have when you clearly have a evil villain who's in your class? Like, don't you feel like you they should be reporting these villains? That guy. Are you talking about D.A. Sinclair? The guy is building yeah. the cyborgs. Man, yeah. that guy is straight up. Down to the way that he moves, he's like straight up anime villain, it feels yeah. like, yeah. with is. his hair. And Let me say, though, he's an anime villain, but he's also like theater major. I was like, I mean, I'm not going to say he's a villain. He's, he's around. He's maybe. He's, he's relatable. Some, I don't know. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. I wore he's, a long yeah. coat briefly. Totally. Get a little drunk at a cast party, sing some Pippin with him. You know how it goes. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Go ahead, drop uh, into it. Gotta find my castle. In uh, I knew he, I knew he had it in him. I knew he had it in him. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, good. He's so though. ashamed. Whenever we sing, he's ashamed. <laughs> and I'm horrible at singing. Alex, I think, can actually do it. Oh, thank you. Oh my God, do not. You know what? I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try out for the chorus. You're gonna try out now. <laughs> okay, for chorus. Now, hey, Teach, it's me. I'm back. It's <laughs> me, a for kid. Chorus auditions. I'm just a like, kid here to sing. Yeah, I'm just a regular teen, just like you teens. Uh, I also really it's liked. It's beginning to look a lot like I, Christmas. All right. I also really liked uh, Robot in this episode. Um, you know what I mean? Like, really got to see. A softer side to robot, like the fact. Just real that- quick, one last thing, Pete, before you go on. I love when we're when we're doing something you don't want us to do. You could go to your notes and you're like, uh, uh, "Let's see here. What, what can I talk about? What can I get distract these idiots with?" Um, okay, a robot. Uh, he's a he's. Doing well, stuff? no, I, what I liked it is like uh, not, you see him like stay with Monster Girl, but also like the fact that he dispatched uh, a version of himself to go get that uh, flower to save her it was super sweet and very cool. Like we get the, we got to see this like kind of robot die in front of him, but, you know, deliver the, you know, I like he's him. a perfect mate. He's a perfect boyfriend. I hope it works out. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be true. I mean, we've seen no, a lot no of notes. It is no it is interesting watching this, knowing what's coming, because they're certainly holding back on a lot of secrets there, which I don't want to spoil for anybody who hasn't read yeah, the comic book. Yeah, but they've book. teased stuff with Robot, yeah. so it's not like it's out of, you know. But I, of, the, the vague way that I'll say it is I like how they are teasing out these secrets. How about that? Yeah, he's up to right. something. Yeah. Like a lot of robots, including Roombas, they're up to something. Mm-hmm. I they're gathering them. DNA. They're, they're gathering so round, DNA. going everywhere. Why do they so, want all up. that dust and garbage? It's yeah. What are they? They're collecting it for a reason, and it mm-hmm. seems like they're going in random places. But I'm like, what the fuck are you doing under that chair? Yeah, that's where I keep my stuff under that chair. Right? Come on. You don't need all my fingernails. The robot is stuff is good. I floor. do like the stuff that they're laying in with Black Samson. There's clearly something going on with him and his yeah. powers. The whole we touched on this a little bit, but the whole beginning sequence with Monster Girl and Black Samson and Invincible being taken into the hospital was 
harrowing <laughs> to yeah. watch. So yeah. bloody, so Stressful. intense, so propulsive, uh, but so well done. Uh, yeah, and I really also, liked all this stuff a lot. It's very interesting to see how the, and maybe this was in the book and maybe I forgot about it, but, uh, uh, you know, that, like, Black Samson seemed like he was dead and then some kind of electrical malfunction or something happened that kind of, like, brought him back. That so might I don't remember that either. I mean, the main mm-hmm. thing that I remember with Black Samson, which they've already changed a little bit, is that he, uh, I actually think they changed it. It wasn't Black Samson. It was another character, the Batman character, who I'm blanking on the name of, Dark Claw or Dark Claw, something, like, something that. like that, yeah. uh, who ends up killed with the Guardians of the Globe. He's not there that day. So he's the one who becomes part of the Guardians of the Globe, at least at the beginning, before Black Samson is brought in later. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but this seems like an original thing for the show, potentially. Yeah, it feels like something they've changed for the show, which is cool. I, I like the character. I'm curious yeah. to yeah. see what, what the role is. Um, as someone and, who it feels like thinks for himself, as opposed to a lot of the characters in, sort of in general here. Yeah, I'm hoping there's definitely going to be more, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, how he gets to keep coming back, like what what the explanation for that is. One thing that I'm really glad they did change, uh, we find out in this episode that, well, William finds out that Mark is invincible. It's pretty clear because he looks at his face and realizes it, which I thought was a very fun moment. I love that. But then we have that other fun moment later on where William is just pestering him with questions about being invincible and everything. Very funny. And that demands that he takes him flying, that which again, so very funny, funny bit. It yeah. is, uh, in retrospect, one of the more problematic bits of the comic book because I don't know if you guys remember, there is a he William demands that Mark fly with him, and then Mark picks him up, cradles him like a baby, and there's a panel of him flying with him, and Mark says, "This is so gay." And I think this gets to one of the things that Robert Kirkman was talking about, where he was saying, yeah, we were a bunch of 20-year-old guys, white guys, doing a comic book. We didn't realize the stuff was bad. Looking back on it, it is. So we changed it. And here, I think for the better, it plays the characters differently. It feels more authentic to them. And they don't rely on that easy and not particularly good gay joke. So um, that's great. I'm glad they changed it. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, Let's talk about Debbie and Nolan. Oh, because yeah. another like stressful, uh, really well done emotional, and arc. also really weird part for Nolan because it was like I was just surprised. Like, okay, man, you've been outed, and then she's he's like, "You're drunk," and she's like, "I'm going to bed," and he just punches a hole in the wall and then just sits down. Like, it's, I was like, okay, they're going to get into it. They're going to fight. She's going to demand an explanation. Maybe he'll make something up that'll make sense to her, buy her, him some more time. I don't know what he's going to do, but the fact that it was just like, I'm going to bed and he's going to punch a hole in the wall, I was like, wow, that well, it just seemed like a crazy ending. Well, I think uh, for me, it's the two things. Like, he... A, he still seems to care for Debbie at least a little bit. Like right. there's he he maybe loves her, so he's like ah this is a problem. But the sociopathic side of him, I think, is I need Mark. If Debbie tells Mark what's happening, I lose Mark because he knows that Mark is a soft hearted, way more soft hearted. He's like yeah. a hero as opposed to Nolan, who is a sociopath with way too much power. 
so he he has to manage this situation and he knows that he's sort of trapped yeah I think that that's probably a good explanation for it. I've certainly, and again, we're skirting spoilers for the comics that are almost definitely coming in a certain way on the show here, but I've been struggling a little, a little bit with understanding what's going on with Nolan for this very reason that you're getting with, uh, because he does seem very sympathetic towards these people. Same in the conversation with Art, where I kind of expected him to just immediately tear Art in half and throw the pieces everywhere. Yeah, exactly. But instead he drinks beers and just threatens him, clearly threatens him, so it's not uh, completely innocuous. But it's not what we expect from Nolan necessarily from reading the book, I would say. And also like a, a great animation moment where it's just like, he holds that beer out and they just like sit on that beer and all of a sudden this beer becomes scary, you know, like it's just a beer, but like what it could be yeah. in his hands or like what he could do to that, you know, to his, like, just if he slid his hand down a little bit and like starts, you know, like, Where are just you going so with this? I'm just saying it's intense. <laughs> like all of a sudden it just became like, Pete wants it, a beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think that like the, by just showing simple things with what we know, like all of a sudden it just becomes more tense. And I think that's like the fact that they sit in it and like kind of like uh, uh, are showing that through the animation is really cool. And the other thing well, that I'll mention is all of, oh, all I was going to say is all of this stuff with Debbie is also completely original. You know, there's some things that they're yeah. riffing off with the comic books, but she's not really in it. She's just kind of a happy housewife for the first 13 issues or so, she's not really floored by anything. And the fact that they're giving her her own autonomy is really good to see. And Sandra Oh has been knocking yeah. it out of the park. And I loved all those scenes, like her going to art and like investigating the oh, costume. Yeah. I thought it was a great scene. Um, but I do think there's, there's a nice sort of uh, commentary between what Mark's going through with like having his identity and not telling people, William finding out. Um, and then on the other side, Nolan not telling his true intentions and Debbie finding out. And we see them both preserving the status quo um, that they have because I think they like it, but there are consequences. And for, for Mark, it's threatening his relationship with Amber. For Nolan, it's losing his relationship with Debbie, perhaps, but also like having to work a lot harder to remain a hero in everyone's eyes. Uh, when he people are really starting to know that he is a villain and what his intentions are are like yeah. uh, very problematic. Uh, one other thing we should mention: we were wondering about what happened with the White House guard and his stepson. We find out a little bit more about the stepson at the end of this episode. This again has a riff on something in the comic book. It's not the stepson there, but they're digging up the immortal's body to try to drink from his skull and the Mauler twins show up. Yeah. I, I just liked uh, weaving him back in. I'm glad we saw him again. Yeah. That's fun. I like these bit characters who keep showing up throughout the show. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do a good, good job yeah. of keeping everything tight. Yeah, I mean, and again, it, you know, the voiceover acting is unbelievable, and it's kind of a who's who, and that's why it was so fun, because, like, in the beginning before, the, that first frat dude who went missing, uh, like, was just, like, two lines away from being, like, because he's like, I'm Pickle Rick, but he's like, I'm a drug douchebag. Like, he almost said it was really... You're really pushing this. It's really, it was really, <laughs> yeah, really, it was really <laughs> fun. It was really almost there. It was really fun. And that's the thing, like... In the comic, they did. He's make... pickled Doug. 
he's Pickle Duck. Well, what I'm trying to say is, like, in the comic, the Invincible kind of makes fun of comics a little bit. You know, so it's cool that the mm. TV show is also making fun of other animated TV shows, or at least nodding to it. So it's, like, nice kind of, like, recognition there that came from the comic originally. So I thought that was pretty neat. All right. Fair enough. Uh, any other things you want to point out from the show before we start to wrap things up here? Any other moments that jumped out to you? Um. Like, uh, sometimes when you have, like, a superhero, like, friend relationship, it feels weird. But, like, in this college visit, like, I think it really just paid off. It was such a fun thing to be, like, have Mark going through this stuff and being like, ah, not now, I'm in the middle of something. But then, like, when he saw, like, the last image of his friend kind of being dragged away by the cyborg of, like, that panic of, like, oh, I should have been here when I was over here. Was I, I really like that as like somebody who is kind of getting powers, getting used to like, if I have this responsibility, I can't be ignoring signs and stuff like that. So I thought that was like a good lesson for Mark to, to not be so tunnel vision. Otherwise, he could miss things, you know. Uh, one thing I want to shout out is the writer of this episode is a guy named Curtis Gwynn. Uh, former UCB guy, one of a great teacher I had at UCB oh, wow. back in the day. I thought you uh, were going to say related to Tony Gwynn. No, no, no. Uh, he was part of uh, Curtis and John. Yeah, Curtis and John, of course, uh, uh, did was on a week on a weekend team forever at UCB here in New York, and went on to write for a bunch of comedy shows, and then made the jump, which is hard to do into he was writing for the walking dead for a while and wrote on a bunch of like wow. dramas and now here he is on invincible yeah it's great to see his name there that was i was saving that for my invincible moment of the episode uh, but i'm glad you brought it up there. oh gotcha yeah you did get me i did want to bring up and i know we've disagreed about this when we've talked about it in the past but amber and mark and their fun college montage get hot dogs and they both get ketchup on their hot dogs which is gross. Disgusting. No, ketchup and mustard, motherfuckers. What are you talking about? Ketchup in general on a hot dog just gross. Like, what no. are you, three what years are you old? Wrong. What are you, no, two great things together. What are you, you're out of your gourds. No. Mustard and relish or go home or no. go eat a popcorn. Will you do a mustard and sauerkraut? Mustard and sauerkraut. Uh, yeah, good. I'll go. Okay. As long as ketchup doesn't touch that fucking oh, thing. God, oh, disgusting. Screw you. They're it's both nothing red. better than the red and, uh, and white, uh, or not red, nope. white, red and yellow, going back and forth, all the squiggly styles. Come what on, are you, what are you? You are talking like a child. You're like, I want a red thing on my food. That is yeah. not how people eat. <laughs> That's how I eat. This isn't a Play-Doh Fun Factory. This is your Get meal. Get some hot this is sauce your life. on there. Come on, man. Of course, Run it through the garden. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. Get, yeah, get it fine. into I'm Chicago style. Put some, some chili cream cheese on there. On there. Yeah, let's get cream weird, cheese. ketchup. Chili cheese. Yes. Cream cheese on a fucking hot dog? You're out of your gourd. Isn't that a, a Chicago thing? To slice it down the middle, cream cheese and some stuff? No, no. no. You're out of there. Maybe Philly? Maybe it's a Philly thing. <laughs> no, you're, you're yeah, probably losing. Philly. That's where cream cheese comes from. Yeah. That's you, their whole thing there. Yeah. I um, always, New York oh, style, as you ask for a bagel with extra hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they stick the hot dogs in yeah, the hole. Give me a give me a schmear and a bunch of hot dogs on there. Thanks, man. Exactly. Thanks, that bro. Classic New York bagel, which is a hot dog with three bagels uh, strung through it. 
<laughs> we'll charge you 45 bucks. Yeah, if you're from out of town, if you ever come to New York, just ask for, hey, give me the classic hot dog bagel. That's for <laughs> the New York, New York special. Yeah. The New Yorker. I'm going to go get that. one right now. Let's wrap this up with your invincible moment of the episode. Pete. What is your invincible moment of the episode? Cecil is my invincible moment. I really love He's Cecil. He's a character, really? but all right. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I really liked how Cecil was kind of like uh, talking and really aware and trying to be like, yo, we're going to figure this out. Really showing his heart, being encouraging. I really like him as a leader. You know, like I, I was back and forth on whether or not he's good or bad. This really kind of solidifies for me that Cecil's on team good guy. And uh, I'm I'm excited for more Cecil moving forward. Oh, he's definitely not on team good guy. Oh, he is he too. Is sus- Did you see this suspicious. episode? No way, man. He was so oh nice God. in this app. The way that he's looking at D.A. Sinclair's cyborg mask at the end of the episode and is like, oh, that's really impressive. <laughs> that's yes, that's bad he news picks for it everybody. up and like touches it. It was yeah, it was like yeah. so suspect. Oh man. Um my invincible moment, I gotta give it up for just the beginning of the episode, the Sinclair stuff and the Doug being turned into a cyborg, that body horror oh. shit where you look down and his arm was a the whole bad the robot goes, arm. You don't need your vocal cords. Oh, dude, Brutal. it was true. I was like, this is way more terrifying <laughs> than I thought this would be, and yeah. it, it got me. It was great. Yeah, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we mentioned this one earlier, but I'll give it up to just Eve coming home at the end of her long day. I just I liked the touches of her having those strung lights there in her house, which felt very much like I'm a teen in my first house. This is my first apartment. But her satisfied expression, the fact that there was no dark turn at the end there, which was so surprising to me. I just thought that was great. I really like that storyline quite a bit. And folks, that is it for our Podvincible podcast. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come on by. We would love to chat with you about Invincible. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more next time more clues to the disappearance of Adam Eve on Serial because that's the thing that I did off to drink a gallon of ketchup right Pete <laughs> yeah